Today's episode of the Rainbow Skyline podcast is brought to you by Robinhood. With Robinhood, you can invest in stocks, options, and ETFs right from your phone. You can even spend and earn interest on uninvested cash. And with fractional shares, you can buy stocks in any amount, including companies like Apple, Amazon, and Tesla, for as little as $1. And that's with no commission fees or account minimums. So whether you're new to investing and ready to learn, or just looking for a better experience, stop waiting and join the 10 million Robinhood users. Listeners can get started with a free stock by going to rainbow.robinhood.com. That's rainbow.robinhood.com. All investments involve risk. This is not investment advice, a recommendation, or a solicitation of any security. Other fees may apply. Visit rbnhd.co slash fees. The free stock program is subject to certain limitations. Annual percentage yield on uninvested cash is paid by program banks and is variable. Robinhood Financial is not a bank. fresh edition of the Rainbow Skyline podcast, a podcast about the Denver Nuggets from your friends at The Athletic. My name is Nick Kosmider. I'm in Houston, joined by my colleague Kendra Andrews, who's back in Denver. We've switched roles this week after Kendra uh, went to San Francisco last week to watch the Nuggets come back on the Warriors. This is our free pod for the week. You're listening on Spotify, Apple, wherever you get your podcasts, or you're listening within The Athletic app. Uh, to get bonus episodes each week within the Athletic app, ad-free, uh, you got to be a subscriber. So if you haven't done that yet, go to theathletic.com slash Rainbow Skyline, and you can get 40% off an annual subscription, which will get you our podcast, national basketball podcast. Maybe you like hockey. Maybe you got a hockey team on the other side of the country. There's going to be a podcast about that. So um, really just, just everything you need is right there with one subscription. Um, so Kendra, let's just jump right into this. This is today is the injury pod, right? Because the nuggets <laughs> are going down like flies. I mean, and Mason Plumley, the latest news is that the backup center for the nuggets is going to be out two to four weeks, uh, you know, af- af- with the, uh, cuboid injury, which I didn't even know what a cuboid was, uh, before today, but it, it, it's basically a, a bone in the, in the ankle foot area that he hurt during Denver's win over the Timberwolves, uh, last night. And so, now they're down four. They're down three starters and one of their top reserves. And you know, and and really, I decided to get into this this role as injury reporter by getting hurt myself. You're uh, Sunday. I'm dedicated on, on yeah. Sunday. About an hour before I was going to go to the Pepsi Center for the game against the Pacers, I miss a step going out of my front door, land on my right ankle, turn it all the way over, fall down, and um, yeah, I had a my ankle swell up the size of softball. Um, showed Michael Malone and Tim Conley the picture today. They both thought I was, it was pretty gross. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, again, it's just, we're, we're, we here at the athletic, we like to go the extra mile. So if we've got people with, with ankle injuries, you know, this is like my Hunter S Thompson esque reporting, just getting, (laughs) getting right down in there. Uh, but anyway, (laughs) thank you. So anyway, enough about that. Uh, enough about uh, my my problems. Let's get into the problems the nuggets are facing with, with these injuries. And the night that you were, in Golden State last Thursday, Nuggets come back, great comeback win in overtime. That was the first night that we saw them without three starters, without Paul Millsap, Gary Harris, and Jamal Murray. Uh, but but the Nuggets have survived. Uh, they've gone they've gone three and one in that stretch. Uh, wh- what have you seen from the way that the Nuggets have had to kind of um, fill in the gaps? You know, it's been really interesting because I was there for that Warriors game, as you said, in San Francisco, and then I was also at that game against the Pacers back in Denver. And both of those games, they were without Paul Millsap, 
Gary Harris and Jamal Murray. And I thought that you kind of saw two completely different ways of how the team handled missing those starters against the Warriors. Everyone stepped up, particularly Malik Beasley. He logged his first 30 plus minute game of the season. I think he had 39 minutes. I want to say, um, and he finished with 27 points. You haven't really been seeing a lot of Malik. He absolutely stepped up. Will Barton was great. Michael Porter Jr. was great. Everyone was working together to, you know, uh, get past those injuries. And then against the Pacers, they got out to a great start. They held the Pacers to 15 points in the first quarter. DeMontis Sabonis only had seven points at halftime, which is just incredible. And then... They just crumbled. In the fourth quarter, the Pacers had 41 points, and DeMontis Sabonis finished with a, his first career triple-double. As a former Zag, you know, I was supportive of guys from my alma mater. But, you know, as someone watching the Nuggets, I was a bit concerned for them because I think it really showed that they missed the offense of Jamal Murray. They missed the rebounding and the size of Paul Millsap. They missed the defending of Gary Harris. And so I'm really interested to see tonight against the against Houston Rockets, especially without Paul Millsap, you know, which, which one of these teams are they going to bring out? Are they going to bring out the team that managed to have everything clicking against the Warriors? Or is it going to be like the Pacers where they, they let everything crumble? Yeah, it's a good point. And, and what I think you're seeing from, from that is that, you know, you're going to be able to beat poor teams with the depth that you have. I mean, they've, they've got wins with these kind of injuries um, over the Warriors, over the Hornets, over the, over the Minnesota Timberwolves who are really struggling right now. Uh, but when you, when you, when you play good teams with a lot of depth, I think that's where it's going to show up that, that, that hurt them against the Pacers, even though, as you mentioned, they played well, I thought they really ran out of gas in the fourth quarter. Part of that is this kind of crazy string that, of back-to-backs. They had three back-to-backs in a row. Um, it, w- it was just a pretty wild quirk in the schedule that really put a lot of miles on guys' legs in a short amount of time. Um, so that it's not <laughs> that's not an ideal time to be ra- uh, ravaged with injuries is when you're playing all these back-to-backs. So, you know, f- from, from an update standpoint, again, today in Houston, Nuggets were practicing over at a, um, a really fancy high school, Jesuit high school that was, I think, bigger than, the, you know, most colleges. But 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 Michael Malone said there that, uh, look, we the returns of Paul Millsap and Jamal Murray are probably still a ways off. Mm-hmm. We don't know what a ways off means, but, you know, look, that that sounds to me like at least another couple weeks before they get those guys back. And this stretch for the Nuggets right now. They're at Houston t- um, tonight. They uh, Wednesday night. They they play at New Orleans, a team that's given them a lot of trouble on Friday. They come back Sunday. They host the Rockets. Um, you know, then they go at Memphis. Uh, they 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 host the Jazz. They go to Milwaukee. There's a lot of really tough games in this stretch that they have coming up. So it's gonna it's gonna completely test the depth that they have. Um, and it's really interesting as well to me that this stuff is all happening right as the trade deadline starts to approach. Yep. Um, you know, if, if there was a thought before that, that Malik Beasley could be a guy that, um, you know, that maybe you, you send elsewhere, if you don't think you're going to be able to resign him this summer, you know, you send him to another team, you try to get draft compensation back, or maybe you try to get a veteran uh, in a certain area of need that can help you in the playoffs. I don't see how they can trade Malik Beasley right now. Uh, right. Gary, Gary Harris, again, has missed a lot of time, not just this year, but over the last couple of years, uh, and Beasley, to his to his absolute credit, 
has really met the challenge anytime he's he's been asked to play. It, it would have really, I think, been easy for him to kind of check out this year, um, considering the year that he was coming off of and to find himself kind of buried in the rotation pretty early on this year. Um, you know, he, he, that could that could have gone the other way. Instead, as you mentioned, the 27 point performance against the Warriors in that comeback win, he was excellent. Uh, the, the other day, a couple weeks ago against Dallas, Huge defensive plays down the stretch that helped them win that game. He was, again, really good last night uh, In uh, for, for the most part, I thought, against the Timberwolves. he He's an integral part of what they're doing right now. And, and so that that's one of those wrinkles that say, you know, how, how could you really do without this guy at the trade deadline? The interesting part is that the Nuggets do have an open roster spot. So do they go searching um, for somebody that they can, that can add front court depth? Because you look at this team right now. There's not another true center on, on the roster behind mm-hmm. Nikola Jokic. Bull Bull is not going to be joining this time, this team anytime soon in, in a real way. Again, the rookie from Oregon, seven foot two. He's played a little bit in the G League, but they're still taking his his progress from his own foot surgery about a year ago very conservatively. And, and so that that's not going to be an answer for them. So in the very short term, you're going to see a lot more of, I think, Jeremy Grant playing a small ball five. Uh, you know, you're going to see Michael Porter Jr. probably playing some of his minutes at power forward. Tory Craig will probably play some power forward. Juancho Hernan Gomez. Um, but but they don't have another another true center. So I'm, I'm really curious to see how they're going to handle those minutes behind Nikola Jokic, because this, the answer certainly can't be play Nikola Jokic 38 minutes a night. <laughs> I, I, I don't think there's that thought for anybody that they're going to start upping no. his his minutes. That that would just be kind of a dangerous road, in my opinion, to go down. Um, so those are kind of some of the things that I'm looking at. Uh, in the next couple of weeks, as you mentioned, the next two nights, the next two games, I think will be really interesting because I don't see I, I think the Nuggets want to at least take t- take a step back for a little bit and see what they can do with the unit that they have, how they can address these absences. Um, and Jared Vanderbilt, Michael Malone mentioned tonight is probably going to get a lot of run. The the second round draft pick from last year, who's played almost exclusively in the G League this year is a Houston native. Uh, talked to him this morning. He says he's completely ready for that opportunity, excited to, to potentially have it. Flatco Chanchar is another guy uh, who they signed this summer, a former second round draft pick who who could be in that mix as well. Uh, but it's going to be interesting to see what, what what are some of the things that that you're really curious to, to watch uh, as the Nuggets go about handling these issues? Pretty much a lot of what you have mentioned, especially at that center role, like you said, with the trade uh, trade deadline coming up. Um, because like you said, I think before a lot of the talk was, oh, are they going to um, you know, target a shooter? Are they going to target a guy like Drew Holiday? Are they going to trade Malik Beasley or Tori Craig or Wancher and Gomez? And now for me, that conversation is completely switched from targeting a shooter to, okay, let's get some more depth on the big guy side. You know, I think Malik Beasley, like you mentioned, can step up in that shooting role. And I think that they can get some good offense um, from smaller guys with who they have. But as you mentioned, you can't be playing Nikola Jokic for the entire game. I mean, in the beginning of the season, Mike, Michael Malone even mentioned, he goes, I'm playing Gary Harris too much. And that's, at, you know, 35 minutes per game. And so no way is he going to be wanting to play Nikola Jokic for, you know, 35 minutes plus, especially at this point in the season where you are in the second half and the playoffs are really, you know, starting to become a focal point in these next coming months. So I think, you know, seeing how they handle this trade deadline, 
I thought, and we talked about this last week of, you know, we thought that they are going to stay kind of quiet. Why disrupt this group that you have who got you to the Western Conference semifinals last season? And now you added Jeremy Grant, a healthy Michael Porter Jr. Let's see how this plays out before making big decisions. But with four of your key players out for, like you said, we don't know how long, Mason Plumley, two to four weeks, you know, Paul Millsap and Jamal Murray, who even knows how long for them, you do have to start to reconsider your options and seeing how you can how you can make sure that this team doesn't take too many steps back because they have been doing so well um, as of recent. And it's interesting because I'm, I'm doing a mailbag and I'm going through a lot of these questions and answering them. And I find myself every answer that I'm, you know, that I'm responding has to do now with the injuries. And I think that, you know, two weeks ago, I would have answered these questions completely differently. But now because of all these injuries, it has such a big impact on this team that it's completely changed, whether it's the bench, whether it's how much Michael Porter Jr. is playing, whether that's the trade deadline, whether that's Jeremy Grant's role on the team. So much uh, stuff has changed because of these four injuries. Yeah. And and there's been some positives. I I think that the, um, you know, putting Jeremy Grant in the starting lineup has been interesting because what mm-hmm. that has done in turn, it's it's I think spaced the floor more in the second unit. And the, I think the biggest revelation with with these injuries is is the play of Michael Porter Jr. And yeah. in the last five games, he's playing 27 minutes a night, which Nuggets fans love to see. Um, <laughs> he's averaging s- almost 17 points, eight rebounds in those 25 minutes a game shooting over 55% from the field, 52% from three-point range, and 86% from the line. The efficiency has been incredible. And and the thing that you like, if you're somebody who's watching it through the lens of let's see how Michael Porter Jr. continues to develop, is that the Nuggets are running things through him more now. And Michael Malone said this morning, that's going to increase even more now as they have to fill in more gaps on that second unit. They're trusting him to have the ball in his hands to make decisions. We've seen him increase his role as a playmaker. He had five assists the other night in the win over Golden State. He's become a guy that they're really starting to trust to, to be a fulcrum of the offense. And I, and I think there's a lot of credit. I wrote today at The Athletic that I think there's a lot of sides that deserve credit for this development that Michael Porter Jr. has had that has allowed him to kind of more or less explode onto the scene in January. Um, and obviously no credit goes more than to, to Porter himself, who has taken advantage of the opportunities that he's had. Um, he's never public. He's never complained, at least publicly, um, <laughs> about the lack of minutes that, that he, um, you know, again, I think this this in his mind, he was ready and rearing to go from the very start. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, but Michael Malone made his decision. He said, listen, we have a lot of guys who helped us win 54 games this year, last year. Uh, who have earned, you know, a chance to start this season in the rotation. Um, so that's the way that we're going to go. And and again, to, to Malone's credit, he stuck to that. But he also started as soon as Michael Porter Jr. was really starting to show um, that he was going to be a guy that could make an impact for you. Those minutes have continued to extend. Now, will he get 28 to 30 minutes a game when guys start to come back from injuries? It, it remains to be seen. But again, I think the like that's the probably the brightest silver lining of some of these injuries is that the ball has been in his hands. He's been able to create. He's been able to be a big time scorer for them when they've needed that, particularly with Murray's injury. I think that's what you lose so much of is, is the guy that can just kind of go get you get you a bucket when you need to have one. Porter has filled in that role pretty well. Again, the competition, it's going to increase. He's still going to have ups and downs to be, because mm-hmm. he's a rookie. He's still learning so much of the game. So it's not as if 
the, the pressure should be put on him to where he's going to have to carry them. But again, I, I think the, the fact that he's been able to be a larger part of this um, ha, has been a, a real bright spot. What about that have, have you noticed or, or what about watching him over this last couple of weeks uh, has impressed you? Yeah, ahead of the, I can't remember if it was before or after the Golden State game, but in one of those uh, pressers with with Michael Malone, he mentioned, he said, having Michael Porter Jr. know that he's going to be the or one of the first players off the bench and knowing that he's going to play, you know, 20 to 25 minutes per game has really helped him with his game. He know like he now knows what he should be prepared for. He now knows what he's going to have to go out and do when he's going to be called upon to do it. Um, you know, that golden state game was the first time that MPJ had played in a late game, a late close game. Um, the game went into overtime and he was a part of that, uh, group on the floor in the fourth quarter and an OT. And so just seeing the confidence that he's had on offense, I think he's also improved on defense. There's definitely some work that still needs to be done. And, you know, a couple of weeks ago, maybe it was a month ago or so he even said, he goes, yeah, you know, like learning these defensive plays, learning that, that terminology, it's like a different language. It's something very new. And so I think that there's still steps that need to be taken for that, but he doesn't look as lost as he was when he first started playing. Of course, that can be attributed to him getting more time on the floor, getting out and running more. The best way to learn is through just doing it. You know, you can't, you can't learn everything in practice. You actually have to play in a game. So those are things that have stood out to me. Like you mentioned his, his facilitating. Um, I, I think that his, his, his basketball IQ is now catching up to the raw talent that he had from the very start. You know, I don't think anyone ever doubted that he was an amazing athlete and an amazing basketball player, but now I think his, his comprehension of, of the plays and what he needs to be doing and where he needs to be has caught up to that. And, you know, even Michael Malone said there's still as much as he's grown, there's still so much that he can do that has not been shown yet. Um, and I think that Nuggets fans should be really, really excited for that. I think the the, the quote I love best from from last night was like Nikola Jokic is, you know, here's a guy who who um, teammates and opponents alike marvel in terms of the things that he does on the court. Right. Like so the. Um, the unicorn type stuff that he does mm-hmm. last night, it was Nikola Jokic who was saying like, do you guys see the way the ball goes in when Michael Porter Jr. <laughs> shoots it? Like it just oh, hits but, the net. Like yeah. that. he's, I, I, he, like we said, he's hitting 53% of his threes, but I, I would, I would love to know the percentage of those that just swish without touching yeah. the rim. His like, warm up at Pepsi center is one of my favorites to watch because it's just, you just kind of sit there and you do just marvel at it. Like, wow, that's like really, really impressive to see that up close and see everything that he's doing. Yeah, it's it's been pretty wild to watch in real time. Um, again, how much he's just sort of taken off in the last few weeks. But it's also been the culmination of of just a lot of patience. Look, the front office, when they drafted him uh, June of 2018, he fell into their lap at 14 because a lot of teams in front of them were concerned about that back injury, weren't sure that that was something that he was going to be able to overcome and get back to himself. And, you know, look, he still has to he's he's still going to have to show over a long period of time that his body can stand up to the rigors of the NBA, especially (laughs) as he's starting to get more and more minutes um, playing a full season. I'll be really curious to see how he looks uh, come playoffs. But again, maybe I mean, maybe this is is just sort of revisionist. But if you were in the camp of saying, um, you know, frustrated that Michael Malone 
didn't didn't play him as much early in the season. Well, look at where you are now. Now he's playing as 30 like again, almost 30 minutes a night over the last four or five games. And and he's fresh. And would he have been that if if he had kind of got those minutes right off the bat? Um, and, And maybe maybe when we start looking at the playoffs and a lot of these guys have played heavy minutes and he still kind of has really only a I would say like a half season worth of of intense actual minutes. Maybe he's a little more ready and a little more fresh um, and doesn't have some of that like um, wear and tear that some of the young players on the Nuggets had last year when they entered the playoffs. We've talked before about how Monte Morris, you know, he he had played the equivalent of three college seasons and, and he was a little gassed by the time they got to late April and, and May. So, again, th- those are those are just, I think, a couple things that have that have come out of this moving past Porter. I, you know, you look at a guy, we, we talked about how they have an open roster spot mm-hmm. and, and the center position is one that you always kind of looked at it. And, and it was a little bit of a concern to say, look, obviously, Nikola Jokic, MVP candidate. That's the guy we roll through. Mason Plumlee, super solid among the best backup centers in the NBA. So so you felt really good about about the pecking order there. But now they're in that situation that you kind of ask yourself, well, what if one of them goes down um, and, and now what do you have? Again, you're going to be playing Jeremy Grant in some in some spurts where he's he's probably playing the five, um, you know, maybe even Jared Vanderbilt. Again, guys that don't, don't have that typical center size and you're just going to have to find a way to maneuver around it. Here's here's one name that I'm, I'm, I'm curious about. What if what if the Nuggets throw a 10 day contract at Joachim Noah? Um mm-hmm. So here's a guy that, uh, you know, last played for the Grizzlies, was out of work when the season began or is is still not on an NBA roster. uh, And that was the case when the season began. Again, I don't know what kind of what kind of shape he's in right now. But if he's a guy that's been waiting for his NBA chance, then perhaps uh, he's been staying ready. He's been, you know, working out and all that kind of stuff. Uh, Potential big body to to sort of maybe help bridge this gap over the next few weeks until Mason Plumlee uh, can get back. You know, again, that that's just a thought, but it, it. it really will be interesting to me to see how they how they just kind of cover up for this. I'm kind of fascinated by how they're going to try to handle um, what what is really now a, a big lack of depth in the front court, especially when you're talking about once again Paul Millsap uh, not going to be back anytime soon either. So uh, it's going to be really interesting to see how they play that. I completely agree. I think their depth was something that you know they always mentioned this season of how lucky they are to have this depth, um, and it obviously came in handy last season with all the injuries. And they said, you know, they always said, in case we get injured, you know, we have all the stuff. And now they're faced with those injuries, but it's in a different way than last season. And it's in an area where, as we've pointed out, I don't think they have as much depth in this in this big area as they do in the medium to smaller sized players. So I agree. It should be really interesting. <laughs> medium to smaller sized players is probably my favorite line we've had on the podcast this year. That's fantastic. I'll change um, your bio to that now. Like a, sure. Yeah. Medium, medium to small sized writers and reporters. Um, th- that's great. Uh, l- last thing before we get out of here, Kendra, um, Friday. So th- we're recording this on Wednesday, the nuggets tonight pl- play the rockets Friday. They go back to New Orleans again. The, the team that has given them a, uh, a lot yeah. of hell this year. They're Achilles. Um, yeah, they're, they're the Achilles heel of the Nuggets. They've lost two of them in, in both matchups. Uh, both both lopsided, lopsided losses. Uh, but we see the Nuggets versus Zion Williamson. This was supposed <laughs> to be the the big Christmas Day game. It got billed like that when the schedule came out. Uh, but but they're they're going to play him, presuming that he gets through his debut tonight against the Spurs without any issues. Uh, they'll see Zion for the first time Friday night. What, what has you kind of uh, what are you most eager to see with that? 
Man, a lot of things. Um, not This isn't as much about the Nuggets as it is about Zion. I obviously... Similar to Nikola Jokic, his 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 uh, in shapeness, I guess you could say, <laughs> was you know in was a topic of discussion, and, and you know heading into summer league and during summer league, and even after. Are you saying he's league. not a medium to small size player? <laughs> he's not. I don't consider him in the range of the medium to small size okay. player. Got he's it. a little outside of that that uh, spectrum to me, and so I'm interested to see. And he's obviously been hurt for since the beginning of the season, since before the beginning of the season, I think. Um, so I'm interested to see what that is like. I think it helps that they're not in Denver. He doesn't have to deal with the altitude. He's back at a normal level of altitude where the air is a little easier to breathe there. So I think that will be a benefit for him, but, you know, kind of tying it back to the conversation of the Denver's lack of bigs. I'm interested to see who they are going to put on Zion or the multiple people that they're going to put on Zion. Um, or if that's even going to be a thing because he, Zion obviously has so much hype surrounding him, but he's not a player who's played a lot. I mean, he's going to have one game under his belt by the time, uh, the, the nuggets play him and the Pelicans. So, is, is he, you, you have to be concerned with him just knowing what he can do, but I'm interested to see the defense that they throw at him. Um, if they throw a lot of defense double team, or if they say, you know what, he's, he hasn't, he's probably not in that rhythm. Let's just do some normal stuff at first and see where it goes. Yeah, I, I agree. I, I think they'll just, they'll probably just play him straight up and, um, sort of see how it goes. I, I'm curious to see how, like, um, you know, how Michael Porter Jr. kind of approaches that, you know, that situation, because mm-hmm. again, he, he was never, I, I, he wasn't ever quite like Zion levels. Like we haven't seen the Zion type hype since LeBron James came into the league, but yeah. Michael Porter Jr. When he was coming up as a high school player and into college at Missouri was sort of the it guy, right? So he was the guy that like all the people came to see and that, that was, he was the, the sort of the flashbulb subject for, for these kind of games. I'm really curious to see how he sort of whether that kind of gets his juices flowing and whether he, uh, you know, says, hey, while you guys are looking at this, this rookie, um, you know, I, I got a little something to show, too. <laughs> and not not even in like because, again, he, to, to, to to Porter's credit, he was asked the other day, Char- Charles Barkley said at halftime or I'm sorry, in the post game, uh, the post game TNT studio show after the Nuggets came back and beat the Warriors. He said that Porter's the second most talented player on the Nuggets right now behind Nicole Jokic. I'm I'm not I think natural talent wise, I think Barkley's right. I think he has the highest ceiling. He might have the highest ceiling on the team, um, but but natural talent wise, I think he's right there. But Porter was asked the other day to comment on Barkley's comments. And he said, listen, I, I really appreciate the praise, but I've got a long way to go. And, and mm-hmm. uh, I'm not even starting it. We've got guys like Jamal Murray, Will Barton, Gary Harris, Nicole Jokic, who have been who have been doing this a while. I, I'm just trying to play my part. And, and he's done a really nice job of of, be, of, of blending in, uh, being one of the guys as much as kind of the guy can be. And, and, and that, I think, has been uh, a really cool thing to see. But there is that there is just that you know, that pride, that, that ego, uh, that, that guys of his talent level, I think have. So I'm really interested to see, um, again, Michael Porter's already had his, his NBA debut was in new Orleans. He scored 15 points in about, you know, 13 minutes of his NBA (laughs) debut there in, in a lopsided loss. So, 
that that'll be interesting to me. Um, we'll have we'll have a bonus episode Friday night after that game. We'll, we'll break it all down. Um, it'll be it'll be a lot of fun. So again, that that'll be a bonus. If you're not a subscriber yet, uh, go to theathletic.com/slash/rainbow-skyline and you get all those extra uh, podcasts. So that's gonna do it for us. From me from Houston, Kendra from Denver. Until next time, thanks for stopping by. Thank you.